Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim, and it's good to have you with us here at Greater Alton. And and, uh, if this is your first time here, we're so glad that you would choose to be with us. Uh, It's it's good to to come together. We hope that you'll be encouraged by being here today. And I really need some help with this sound. So come on, Mark. Kick it in gear here. Okay. Oh, there we go. Ah. Okay, Uh, if you'll notice in your bulletins, if you open up your bulletins, you're going to see something about taking the plunge right now. Our kids are involved in a series of lessons called Take the Plunge. And I've asked John Wolf to come out and tell you a little bit about Parents Day that's going to be coming up in a few weeks. So, John. Good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, comrades, dare I say friends. (laughs) I know what you're thinking right now. And the answer is yes, I have taken my meds this morning. Contrary to popular belief, I am not insane, but I do have children, and I do work in the kids' ministry, so both of those things require a certain degree of insanity. Uh, So why am I dressed like this? Well, we are uh, doing a series back in the kids' ministry called Take the Plunge. And every single week, we look at different ways that we can take the plunge into the depths of our faith for Jesus. And each week is water-themed. So one week we talk about the baptism of Jesus. The next week we talk about Jesus at the well. The week after that, it's Jesus walking on water. And so far, it's been a wonderful series. The kids have had a lot of fun. And I know my kids have learned a lot, and I'm sure your kids have learned a lot as well. Our motto at Discovery Land, and I owe so much to Susan Chapel, looking at her right now. But our motto is, we wish to partner with parents to raise spiritual champions. Because we understand that we can't do it alone. We understand that we only have your children for so many hours every single year. So one of the things we like to do to partner with our parents is we like to have you come back and worship with your children every now and then. And on August 25th, the last Sunday of next month, we are going to be wrapping up our Take the Plunge series, and we are inviting all of you crazy cats, all of you parents, grandparents, to come back and take the plunge with your children. Uh, I recommend bringing a change of clothes, and I recommend not being stuck up and prude because you're going to have a lot of fun. Um, We are going to be worshiping together. We are going to be breaking out into individual sessions, and it's just going to be a great time for you to worship and learn with your child. Uh, I grew up in a home that was uh, not necessarily hostile towards belief in God, but it was definitely hostile towards any kind of commitment to God. And I can't tell you what a difference it is to be able to raise my children in a church that not only teaches them, but actively engages the parents to perform a a greater role in the home. And so I just want to encourage every single parent on August 25th, and I'm going to be reminding you guys several times, because I know we have a group full of uh, people that like to have amnesia in this church, I'm going to be reminding you guys throughout the next couple weeks, but August 25th, we'd like to invite every parent and grandparent back to worship with our children. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. All right. You're probably going to notice in your bulletin on that back page just below there, there's a thing about our our back-to-school splash or where we get together at the uh, Wood River Aquatic Center, and we just have a great time at the pool. And so uh, check that out and hope you can come and be with us also. And that's on the 18th of uh, August. Can you believe July is almost through? And it feels like September, huh? What a, what a, great, uh, what a great month we're having here. And uh, today we're uh, still in the book of Acts. We're still looking at the Acts men. And, and if you remember, uh, 
uh, as we've been going through the book of Acts, we've been looking at this book that's talking about the actions of Jesus. Now, I know sometimes uh, at one time the book of Acts was called the Acts of some of the apostles or the Acts of the apostles. But it really is much more than that. It talks about the Acts of the early Christian, the Acts of Jesus, really, that he, what he began to do and teach in the book of Luke. Luke writes this second book and continues on with here's what's going on in the world as Jesus works through his people. And if you if you read the book of Acts, you find that, well, the, the book just ends abruptly. It doesn't end with uh, with an ending. It just kind of ends and uh, leaves it kind of open. And that's because I believe it's because we're you and I are still a part of the book of Acts because Jesus wants to work through you and I today. And so today we're looking at a passage we skipped over. You ever done something where you, you've worked so fast or you're driving so fast when you hit the brakes, you kind of skid over something or run over something? And sure enough, as we're looking at the book of Acts, uh, I noticed that we, we skipped over a little passage in, in Acts chapter 9. And if you've got your Bibles and you'd like to follow along in Acts chapter 9, that would be wonderful. We're going to look at a, a person named, uh, a person named uh, Dorcas. Now, I know that sometimes that name Dorcas or Dork... Uh, you heard somebody ever say, you're such a dork. Well, I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about it as an insult. But there's a woman in the book of Acts whose name was Dorcas. She also, her name was also Tabitha. And, the, and her name means gazelle. Uh, the, the, I heard a four and a half year old boy refer to Dorcas as the woman with three different names. And, and that's true here in the, in the book of Acts. And what I want us to look at is, is a woman here who, well, she was known for doing good. Doing good. Last week we had a lesson. I've had several people make a comment. Man, Tim, you kicked us in the pants. And and man, that sermon really went long. And today I'm hoping I can encourage you not only with the content of today's lesson, but the length as well. Okay. Uh, I just want to be encouraged today and let you know that that every Sunday is about getting a kick in the pants. We are told we are to encourage one another. The Bible says we meet together. It says that in Hebrews 10. Now we meet together. To spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. And so that's what we're talking about is a woman here in the Bible who's known as somebody who was always doing good. And if you've got your Bibles and you turn to Acts chapter 9, we're going to start reading in verses 36. Let's read together. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Excuse me. Named Tabitha which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, all the windows, or I'm sorry, all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her on her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. 
What, a, what an interesting, it's a, such a little, little, just a few verses tucked away in the book of Acts. And if you're reading the book of Acts, you might, you might over, overlook this passage because there's, there's so many other exciting stories in the book of Acts. And yet this one seems toned down a little bit. It's about a woman named Dorcas. And look what the Bible says here on your notes and up here on the screen in verse 36. Look what the Bible says about her. It says in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. Would you circle disciple? She's a disciple. She's a Christian. She's a follower. She's a God pleaser. And it says, which was translated as Dorcas, which, by the way, the word translated means gazelle. And notice it says, and I want you to underline these next few words, who was always doing good and helping the poor. I I have helped fill out a lot of obituaries. Uh, when I was with Karen Matthews and Vernon passed away, she called me up. And this was the day after I was sick as a dog when we had the play day. And she calls me up and says, you know, Tim, you know about Vernon passing away? I said, yeah. I goes, I need some help. No, but I don't have anybody to go with me. I really don't have anybody I'd like to take with me to the funeral home. But you, would you, would you be willing to go? And I'm sicker than a dog. I go, absolutely. So we go right over here to Panic. You know, we're over here to Panic. And, and we go inside and we sit down. And the fellow sits down and says, well, uh, Mrs. Matthews, we need to fill out Vernon's obituary. Now, what do you put on him? It's going in the paper. Well, he was born at this date, lived in Olive Branch, Illinois, was a teacher for several years at East, East Alton School System, married his first wife, and she passed away. I didn't realize that where, where Vernon lived in East Alton, he was a stone throw, a walking distance away from his first wife's grave. I didn't know that till we buried him. And I went, you stinker. You didn't tell me everything about you. And so she writes, she goes, let's put that in there. Uh, any other marriages? Well, yeah, she was, he was married to this one woman, but I don't think we're going to mention that. <laughs> I loved it. I went, okay, that sounds good to me. And then she mentions, you know, the, you know, married to Karen and all this, lived in Bunker Hill. I mean, what, you think about it. I mean, what would you, what would you say in an obituary? What would you say about somebody? And here we've got kind of uh, Luke filling out kind of a, an obituary, in a sort of speak, because Dorcas has died, and in one sentence he says all this stuff about her. What do we notice? We notice she's a disciple. How often do you read obituaries where someone says? Not they were a member at a church, but this was a follower of Christ. Think about that. She's a disciple. She's a follower of Christ. She's a student of Jesus Christ. And notice, just like Jesus, which the Bible says we're going to see later, went about doing good. Look what she's known for. Who's always doing good and helping the poor. And if you if your life could be summed up in one sentence, what would it say? Think about that for a minute. What would you like for it to say? You know, Tim lived in, in Godfrey and he was a good talker. And that's a matter of opinion. He could talk. Oh, he could talk. Ask him what time it is, he'll explain how the watch works. I mean, what would what would be that? What would be the thing that would be said about you? That someone else, by the way, who doesn't know you personally, finds out about you. Because Luke did not know Dorcas or Tabitha personally. 
He writes this sentence down because of what people are saying about her. She's a disciple. Was that, was that what we said about you? Could, could it be summed up in a sentence? I'm a disciple. I was always doing good. And I helped the poor. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? To be known for that? Not known for, uh, he was in the city government or uh, he owned this business or he was married to so-and-so and had this many kids and proceeded in death by so-and-so. No, no. This person had a reputation in this town for following Christ. And it showed because it resulted in always doing good. Focused on doing good. It doesn't say obeying. Following the Scriptures real close, although those are important. Doing good and helping the poor. Talk about putting your faith in action. Dorcas had that reputation. Would you agree with that? Wouldn't you like to have that reputation? Maybe you do. I... I want to tell you, I, when, I, when I read this passage, when I read this, this verse, I think of somebody in this room. I think of Sharon Adair. That's who I think of. Eric, I was telling Steve that this morning. When I read a passage like this, I think of Sharon. Always have. Because <laughs> she's always doing good. But is she perfect? No. Anybody here perfect? But are we, gonna, are we known for doing, trying to do good? Now, what's good what is good about? You know, you think about it, guys. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, and it's not on your notes, not on, but it's in the Bible. That's all that matters. It's in the Bible. It says that you and I were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That he prepared in advance. He wants you and I to do good to others. Now, doing good, you, you know, I, I was, when I was, I looked at every verse. I looked at every verse in the Bible that said the word good in three different translations. It took a long time. Good's in the Bible a lot. God is good. The good. It doesn't say the bad or the ugly. I can never have found that verse. Okay. You know, but, but the idea of good, you know, what is good and what, is, what does it mean to be good? And I noticed something. You, here's, there's a passage in James uh, 4, I think 17, it says... The one who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it. Everybody knows that verse. Huh? About everybody knows that verse. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you sin. And yet, in the New Century Translation or the New Living, I can't remember which one it was, it says, if you know what's right and don't do it, you sin. So, how, good, right? Is that, which one's right? Well, they both are. Both translating it well. The word can mean... Doing what is right, it can also mean doing something good for someone else. And Dorcas was known as someone who was always doing good. She was a follower. She followed the Lord. But it translated from not just doing good, the good that, toward God. Catch this. Not just doing good toward God, which so many Christians need to be focused on. It was about doing good to others. You follow me now? That, that, by the way, I think it's important that we do good, we do what's right in God's eyes. But too often, guys, we're so con- we're so con- we can be concerned about that and completely ignore doing good for others. Dorcas had it figured out. 
She knew that if she was going to follow Jesus Christ, who in Acts 10 is called the person who is always doing good, if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, who's always doing good, then I'm going to end up doing good as well. And what did Jesus do that was good? He loved, he loved us. He loved people. He helped people. So this, this morning, I, just, I call it the Wizard of Oz lesson. This is what I call it. What do you mean, Wizard of Oz lesson? Because all of the, ver- all of the points are because, 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 because. I want to encourage you today, okay? But why should I want to do good? And why should I do good to begin with? Well, let me give you six reasons to encourage you today to do good when you leave here, okay? And for some of you here, you know, you could probably think of others. Uh, there's, there's a host of other reasons, but I found six that, that encouraged me and I hope they will you. The first reason I should do good is, I, is, is this. Because doing good helps me. Uh, it cures my selfishness. It helps me deal. It helps me cure with my selfishness. I don't know about you guys, but have you noticed it seems the world is getting more and more selfish? More and more self-focused? It's not just self-help books. But we're a very independent group of people, especially in America. We just don't want to admit we need help. But, we, but, but, but what we want to what we want to do is we talk like this. We say things like this. We say things like, "I deserve to be happy." I've listened, I've heard people say this in the last eight months. I've heard it over and over again. I deserve to be happy. Where is that in the Bible? Yet we talk like this. Our society is telling us this. Our society is bombarding us with, "What about me? What about me?" And and and. And guys, the Bible is opposite of that. God is opposite of that. He says, look, you've got to overcome your selfishness. How do I do that? I do that by doing good. And if you, if you struggle and you say, I don't know if I'm selfish or not, ask, them, but ask the people that know you. Last week, I guess, I got some people riled when I said, ask somebody who's discipling you, will you are you frustrating And some of you have not asked that question yet. And you need to ask that question to your people. The people that are working with you. Am I, do I frustrate you? I asked that question one time. I made a long distance call. Did I frustrate you back in the day? Go, Absolutely. I'm so sorry. Well, it's good that you finally are apologizing. It doesn't change anything, but I'm glad at least you apologized. <laughs> Bye. Cliff. <laughs> you know. but, but honestly, guys, I, I think you, know, you want to know if you're selfish... You don't ask yourself. Well, you know, we're all going to say, oh, I'm not selfish. Ask the people around you. You ask, ask the people around Dorcas, and you know what they say? They only, they only say, was she someone who was unselfish? They show her. They show, her, they show Peter, look at this robe she made me. Look at this garment she made me. There's evidence. And, 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 and guys, the cure for selfishness, when you find out you are, we're all a little selfish, can we just admit it? Even the best of us. We have, what was that old song way back? Was it in the 80s or 90s by Janet Jackson? What have you done for me lately? Dun, 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 dun. Right? And we have that attitude. What have you done for me? I'm always giving and giving. What about me? Well, the cure, the cure for selfishness is doing good to others. I mean, Rick Warren one time said this. He said, he, I, I love the way he said it. Never forget it. He says, 
We have this attitude that says, get all you can, can all you can get, and sit on the can. That's our mentality in America. And God is totally opposite with that. Look what it says here in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24. This is the International Children's Bible, so it's real simple. No one should try to do what will help only himself. He should try to do what is good for others. Why? Because it helps us deal with our selfishness. It helps us cure our selfishness. In Titus 3, look at what what the Bible says here. This is Paul talking to a young preacher in Titus who's in Crete. I believe he's in Crete. And look what he says. Our people, he's talking about the church that Titus is a part of. Our people must learn to use their lives for doing good things. They should do good for people who need it. Then our people will not have empty lives. You know what an empty life is? It's a life that's full of yourself. When it's all about you, life becomes empty. The most miserable people on the planet are are selfish people. So if you're having some misery, you might want to check that and see, am I being selfish? Because the Bible says when you do good to other people, you avoid that empty life. It actually fills your life. It fills your life. Now, one last passage, and we'll look at what it says here. This is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's in Ephesus. He's a, he's a, he's a leader in a church there in Ephesus. And he says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And look what he says here. Command them to do good. Doing good a command? Paul says, Timothy, command the church. Command those that are rich. And by the way, you say, well, that's not me. Are you kidding? Compared to the world, we're all rich. We have the poorest among us. The poorest among us have more than 95% of the world. And he says, command them to do good. He says, don't make it about getting do good to be rich in good deeds. Some of us are, you know, we're, some of us here that have a retirement, we're watching it, we're watching our stocks, we're watching these things, we're watching how much money, our paycheck. And he says, you know, we're wanting to be rich. We'd like to win the lottery. And he says, you know, honestly, you, you want to be rich in good deeds. You want to strike a lottery, strike the good deed lottery. And be generous, it says, and willing to share. Then he says, in this way, he goes, living this way, not about getting, but about giving. In this way, what will happen is they'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. They secure their future, in other words. But look what it says here. So that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Jesus said, I think it's more blessed to give and receive. And guys, when, when, when you and I are doing good, we just start doing good for, to people. It It confronts our selfishness. It even cures it. It even cures it. So that's the first reason I would do good. Dorcas was known as somebody who was generous. I don't think she was a selfish person. In fact, her reputation was she didn't think of herself, but she thought of others. Now let me ask you this. What do you see when you look at your life? What do others see when they look at your life? 
Number two, why, you know, why should I want to do good? Why should I even bother doing good? I'll tell you, there may be another reason. Because doing good makes God feel good. Oh, man. You want to put a smile on God's face? Just do something good. You know, it's not about, yes, doing good may involve doing what's right, but doing good for other people is what I'm talking about today. And just by do, doing something good, you know, you, you don't have to be perfect. You can't, you know, you know God doesn't expect you to be perfect. To, then, he, then he smiles and nods like I approve. It's when you begin to take your faith and you put it into action and you begin to let his impact, his influence, influence the way you treat other people. And when, you, when he starts seeing you just doing good, it makes God so excited and so pleased. You know, Dorcas is a disciple. So we've got this. We know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, she followed the Lord. We know that. But you know what I noticed about her is this. It wasn't just about following rules and following regulations. She wasn't into people pleasing. She was after one thing. I want to please my God who's been so good to me. Look what it says in Hebrews thirteen sixteen. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God knows for you to do good, you have to take the focus off yourself. He knows that when, and by the way, what, what makes it so exciting for him is you're imitating him. You're trying to become like him. You're taking on his character and that pleases him. Um, I was in Mount Carmel a few months ago. And heard a sermon on this woman, Dorcas. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Uh, Bobby Smith, the preacher over there, Mount Carmel, young fella. He has a son that's four and a half years old. And, it's, and he said that uh, his son is sitting with him up on stage. And he goes, you might be wondering why my son is here. Uh, he wanted to preach with me. And so I said, okay, so what are we going to preach about? Let's preach about obedience. Okay, I like that topic. He goes, you know, that's a great topic. Young man, proud that his son would suggest obedience. You know, that's great. So he's all excited. He goes, uh, he goes, so here we are. We're talking about this. So, son, who are we going to talk about? Who do you want to talk about that typified obedience in the Bible? And, and he's expecting him maybe to talk about Noah, who did everything the Lord said. That's what the Bible says. It did everything the Lord required. Maybe it's going to be David. Maybe it's going to be Moses. She goes, no, I want, to, I, guess I want to talk about the woman with three names. And he goes, huh? I want to talk about the woman with three names. You know the, the woman, Daddy. And he's like, I'm sitting there thinking, who could this be? I don't know a woman that has three names in the Bible. And he's scratching his head. And finally, he goes, well, maybe I need to ask you, so what, what, does, she, what, what does she do? What did this woman do? Well, she helped people. And she was always doing good. And he, wait a minute, I think I know who that is. And he went to Acts 9 and he read it. He goes, is this Dorcas? <laughs> yeah. Dorcas. What a name. He goes, you've called me Dorcas before, Dad. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't the same reason. You know, this was a different thing. You know. And, and he said, and, he, and then Bobby starts just weeping and saying, here, my four and a half year old boy caught something I didn't catch. 
And that is that a lot of times as Christians, you know, as disciples, we're focused on following rules. We're focused on making sure we do what's right and avoid what's wrong. And we think that's what being a Christian is. Not to be polluted by the world. I think it says in James that there's two things God wants. He wants to take care of widows and orphans and not be polluted by the world. Is that 128 or somewhere, or somewhere near 228? Something like that. Yeah, thanks, Alan, for the nod. But it's good. To think about that. Isn't it interesting? You know, and we focus on this, and I want you to know, if you're focused on me, I want to honor God with my body. I want to honor God with my words. I want you to know that's, that's great. But without mentioning the word obedience or obey or anything like that, this four-and-a-half-year-old boy caught what Dorcas was about. That it wasn't about, I have to have a Bible verse all the time to do what's right. Just do good. Just do good. Last Sunday, after I kicked everybody in the pants, I get in my truck and I'm heading home. And I'm, and I'm stopping at the, at the Casey's next to my shop. I was in a hurry, got to pick some stuff up. And I noticed a woman, she has a flat tire on her car. Now, some women know how, how many women here can change your change a tire in your car? Look at that. Yeah. You look like women that could do that. I'm just saying I admire that. This woman, I could tell, was out of her league. I didn't mean anything bad about that. Okay, Rosie the Riveters. Okay. You could probably also do a carb rebuild. But anyway... I'm thinking about my cousin Vinny. Remember when she was always doing all that stuff? So, so this woman, and you can tell she's looking at her jack, and you know the tire's all chewed up. She's got the little donut out, and she's trying to take the lug nuts off without getting the, the car up on it, off of the ground. Uh, and I, you know, I just dress like my preaching clothes, and I, I see her, and I'm prompted. I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, "Tim, go help that woman." I know you're in a hurry, but go help that woman. And it was hot. I go, man, can I help you change that tire? Oh, yeah, it would be wonderful. So I went and got my floor jack, and I pumped that thing up. I get that. It takes about five minutes. Tell her where she could get a tire, you know, down at the Cheapies or Willie's, you know, down there if she needed to get a tire. Anything else I can help you with? No, that done it. Thank you so much. Well, be careful, okay, as you're driving around, because that's a front tire. And off she went. Tim, you didn't invite her to church. I just didn't. Why? You were scared? No, I think God wanted me just to do something for someone. Just do some good. Give some hope to people that there's people out there that really do care and will sacrifice a little bit. What did I sacrifice? A little time. Got a little dirty. But you know what I realized when I got done? I knew God had to feel good. He says something about if you give a cup of cold water to someone, just some water, he's pleased. And see, that's what Dorcas was about. She's like, you know, I'm, Tim, you know why I'm doing good? I tend to be a selfish person. And now as I follow Christ, I'm dealing with my selfishness. And the other reason, Tim, I'm doing, I do good is because I know it makes God feel good. And this week, guys, I want this week you to start off your week today. Why don't we just make God feel good? Make it about pleasing God. 
not being righteous. Not so much about I'm, I'm within the, I'm painting inside the lines or I'm coloring inside the lines, but I'm just doing good as it comes my way. You know, Dorcas was good to the people she was around. That challenges me to be good to the people that I'm around. I hope it challenges you to be good to the people you're around. Number three, why should I do good? Because doing good makes me feel good. Is that true? You ever done something good and you just feel good? I like me when I do something good. Don't you like you when you do something good? You go, man, I don't know why I feel much better. Why do I feel good about this? There's something about serving and doing good to someone else that comes back. It comes back and rewards us emotionally, rewards us in the soul. Look what it says here in the Bible. The generous prosper and are satisfied. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What's he saying? He's saying if you refresh other people, you help other people, you get help. In fact, the message, the message translates it exactly like that. It says the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. See, doing good is good for me. It's good for you. And it's so refreshing. It refreshes the soul. You know, this, I, I, I was just do a study on the, on the net, guys. And, you know, I would suggest you go to more than one site and just do a study on how does doing good affect you. And you're going to find study after study after study. The, the, what, I was reading this one lady who did a study. Uh, was doing doing an experiment with people, and they were they were having people volunteer to help others that were that were um, you know struggling with emotionally with something and physically with something, and and, and she said you know I was going to monitor the people getting helped. How would it change them because they're getting helped? And she says what I discovered was those that were doing the help were benefiting more than those that were that were getting the help. Is that something? Why is that? Why is doing good for others do that? Well, what they learned is this, that doing good for other people gets the focus off yourself, first of all. And it pushes all the negative attitudes. It just pushes them out of the way. Next time you're discouraged, next time you're feeling a little down, maybe a little grumpy or a frumpy, do something good for somebody and see what it does for you. Because it's an emotional lift. Uh, This week... I know some of you may not know this, but Jackie Tarantino's in the hospital. And I know that some people are uncomfortable by telling people this, but Jackie's a very private person. And she's in the hospital. It's pretty serious. She went from Alt Memorial to Barnes. Tom is with her. Tom is shook up. Now, before we go any further, if you know Jackie and you're thinking of maybe going to see her, you know how private she can be. Let's make that clear first, Don, right? Okay. Secondly, if you do want to see her, would you talk to Tom first? Because he's kind of like the liaison there. Make sure you do that. Just don't go barge over there, okay? But she's really, she's really going through the ring right now. They're running tests. I think they're going to find some stuff out in about five days. What's really going on? They've thrown out a lot of different things. Well... Um, 
Denise and I went to visit her. Uh, we found out about it, you know, and um, talk about a crazy week. I got to tell you, you know, I'm a whiner. I'm 56. And I'm starting to whine more. Okay. Really, Tim? More? I thought you pretty maxed it out there. Okay. Well, you know, you get older, you start whining. And so I, I started earlier. But anyway, that's, that's another point. The point I'm making is, is that, you know, uh, we've had a really tough year this year. It's been a very tough year for Denise and I. And we find ourselves sometimes when you ever had one of these months or years or weeks or seasons where you get in the car and you start talking. Next thing you know, the discussion goes negative and it starts getting all you're thinking, man, we're throwing up on each other. And when you, you know, it's kind of like a barfarama. If you've ever seen Stand By Me, if, if somebody barfs and then the next person barfs and there's a full scale barfarama. And, you know, when you start barfing on somebody about all the stuff that's going on, you, you kind of they get kind of queasy. and They start barfing. And, and Denise and I, that was happening and not the barfing, but the talking. OK, and, and it was getting kind of negative and we catch ourselves. Let's quit being negative. It's, I, it's been we got so many things we could focus on. And. Um, I, you know, Danny was on vacation in Arizona this week, and Tuesday was the day of days for me because Danny's in Arizona. Michael gets sick and he can't work, and another installer has to go to court and he takes the whole day off. So now I've got all these windshields that need to go in, and here's Nathan over there, like uh, the like the. Manager and Rocky, come on, Rocky, you can do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Come on, Dad, you can do it. Getting me all ready. And here I am. I haven't touched a windshield in over a year. You don't want me working on your car, do you? And he helped me, and we got through it all. And, you know, it's a long day, long week. I get home. Denise is just, I just got off the phone with somebody. And she's feeling bad. And I'm like, oh, man, this is driving me crazy. Everything is coming at me. I can't take it. And uh, I said, Jackie's in the hospice. Because, yeah, I know. Why don't we go visit her? You really think we should in the condition we're in? Yeah, let's go. So we get in the truck and we kind of we're going and it's getting you know, up and down, negative and fine. We go see Jackie. I knock on the door. Bum, 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 bum. She goes, go on in. You're her preacher. She'll let you in. Okay. I walk. There she is laying there in bed. And there's Tom. Oh, Tim, it's good to see you. Hi, Tim. Jackie's like, oh, it's good to see you. I go, Denise is outside. Oh, yeah, tell her to come in. So we'll only stay five minutes, Jackie, because I know how you are. I know. Okay. And we talk for about five minutes. She kind of catches me up on what's going on. Can we pray? And we hold hands and we pray. We go out, go down the elevator, we get in the truck, and we're heading home. Denise goes, I feel so much better. Uh, me too. Now, we had to think here. Was it because we were seeing somebody in worse shape than us? Is that the problem? Is that what did it? And that wasn't it at all. There's something, I dare say the word therapeutic, about doing good. God has factored in. And for some of us here who are so focused on our own problems, you know, you, you'll dominate the discussion. I do. You'll dominate a discussion about your problems in a group of people. Can I can encourage you, the next time you are tempted to cry and, cry and whine about what's going on in your life, that you 
decide to do something good for someone else and see if it doesn't change your demeanor, change your emotions, and refresh you. It'll actually help you. Let's go to the fourth one. Number four. Why should I do good? I should do good because doing good spreads the good news. There's something about doing good that opens doors and breaks down walls. You see, guys, people can explain away your fancy schmancy argument about why should they be baptized or why should they do certain things. I mean, honestly, you, I, I've used some real good logic and a lot of scripture and the person still will disagree and explain, explain away what I'm trying to teach. But nobody knows how to explain away love. It's hard to explain. Why are you so good to me? Why are you so kind to me when I don't deserve it? What's the catch? What's the hook? It's hard for people to process that. If you want to really, really make impact on people, it's not the words that they need to hear sometimes. They just need to see some good work from you. Because good... Doing good spreads the good news. Look what it says here. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. What became known? Well, the miracle, Tim. I mean, come on now. The miracle is what made everybody go, wow, and they became Christians. I'm sure. But would you consider something else? It wasn't just that that someone was raised from the dead, but it was Dorcas that was raised from the dead. That this was the person who did good. That's back in the community. And they saw the power of God over a disciple. The power of God in a life of a disciple. Now I would hope, guys, that we wouldn't have to be raised from the dead to get people's attention. Hello? But I'm going to tell you, I think good deeds have a pretty big impact on our community. A great impact in our in our home and our neighborhood. And I think that when we I don't know, I think about the opportunities I've had to share my faith with people have come from when I've worked on their mini bike. What's working on a mini bike or a lawnmower got to do with spreading the gospel? It's a good deed. How many times have you said, hey, if you need any help, just give me a call. Sometimes we just need to go help. Why wait for the call? Because actions speak louder than words. They break down. They break down these walls, these barriers that keep people from hearing the good news. Look, here's, listen, listen to this. I found this passage. Peter says this. This is the guy that raised Tabitha or Dorcas from the dead. Look what he says. I wonder if he was thinking of Dorcas too. People who do not believe are living all around you and might say that you're doing wrong. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do and give glory to God on the day when Christ comes again. What's he saying? He's saying you do good things. You do good things to people. And it has an impact on their spiritual health. That they may give glory to God. This is a non-believer now giving glory to God. Sounds like they've moved. Sounds like they've changed. Sounds like they went from being a non-believer to a believer. And he says, and here's, here's the secret. It's doing good where you are. It's interesting. You read Acts 9 again. Who does Peter get a hold of 
and introduce Dorcas alive to. It says the widows and other believers. Why is it important for other believers to see good, good deeds and the power of God? Because it encourages them to be used by God. They see someone who did good make impact on people like Jesus Christ. Doing good spreads the good news. Some of you here are not very good at talking. That's what you would say. I'm not very good at teaching. I don't know the Bible verse, but you can do good, can't you? You say, well, Tim, what do I do? You've got to figure that out. I mean, what do you mean? Well, Dorcas used her talents and abilities. I guess she was good at, at making clothes. But you, between the Holy Spirit and yourself, I bet you could figure that out. Couldn't you? Why don't you pray about it and ask God just to nudge you? See, I can change tires. So why not put a guy who can change tires near somebody who needs a tire changed? And let them experience some goodness from a believer. Number five. Why should I do good? I should do good because doing good expresses God's love. In fact, I think it's the best way to express God's love. Because people hear talk all the time. But when they see action, they see faith in action, it gets their attention. Look at it says here. Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. How is Dorcas remembered? For how she can use her Bible or the way she lives through her Bible? How is Dorcas remembered? What's the evidence that Dorcas is a believer. How many Bibles she has in her house? How many scriptures she can quote? I think those, those are important. But that doesn't matter. Not compared to what I'm going to do after I've learned something in the Bible. No, the evidence was, look at what she did. Look at what she did. And the reason they're crying is because they loved her. And guys, I, I'm going to ask you a question. How is the world going to know God is kind? How is the world going to know He's compassionate and kind? Isn't it through His disciples? Isn't it through His believers? I can't think of any other way it can be done. Oh, wait a minute, Tim. I know people, you know, people say, oh, God was merciful to me. I almost hit this deer and I missed it just in time and avoided an accident. Are you, I could, listen, it it could have been the Lord. It could have been you just got lucky. But when somebody is kind, a Christian is kind and loving and caring and does good to another person, that expresses the love of God. For God so loved the world, the Bible says, that He gave. You express God's love? Because all it takes is an act of kindness. Simple.
you never know. You never know what a simple act of kindness does to somebody. I want to do good. That motivates me to do good. The Bible says here in, in, the, in, the, in the book of First uh, John, suppose someone has enough to live and sees a brother or sister in need but does not help, then God's love is not living in that person. My children, you should love people not only with words and talk, but with our action and with true caring. Why should I do good? It expresses the love of God. Here's the last reason. It motivates me and I hope it motivates you. I should do good because doing good will be rewarded. God rewards your goodness. When you do good, God rewards it. It Look at it says here in Ephesians 6. Do your work with enthusiasm. Work as if you're serving the Lord, not as if you're serving only men and women. Remember the Lord will give a reward to everyone, slave or free, for doing good. Notice, I want you to notice something. He's talking about when you're serving people, make it about the Lord. Remember it's about the Lord. Why? Because if you focus just on serving people, you're going to get discouraged. Because some people aren't going to appreciate it. Doing good for others, some people don't get it. Sometimes they'll return your good with bad. And he says, remember this when you're serving That God will reward you. He will reward you. Look what it says here in in Galatians 6. This is for every volunteer and every servant at Greater Alton Church. You remember this. So don't get tired of doing what is good. We get tired because doing good, always doing good will wear you out. Amen? Dorcas, I bet you, was tired. But that's the, you know, that's the price I hope we'll gladly pay to always be doing good. Because he says, don't get tired, don't get discouraged. Like I said before, we get discouraged when things don't work out. I did the right thing, I did good, but it didn't work out. He goes, and don't give up. Sometimes you guys, you ever want to just give up and say, you know what, I've been good and I've been doing, I've been serving and it doesn't do any good, doesn't do any, make any difference. I'm just going to give up. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. For you'll re- reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Whenever we have the opportunity, he says, whenever you have this opportunity, then we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. I want you to know God will reward you. Maybe he'll reward you. We're just feeling good about yourself or having the satisfaction of knowing you're pleasing God. Or maybe he'll reward you by seeing somebody, somebody else's life change. You know, many of you have given money for the parking lights and we still have a ways to go. We still need more to help with those lights. But those of you who have, have done that, there's got to be some sense of satisfaction of knowing that at night when we have a service here or we have a Wednesday night class or something's going on and those lights are on, that you know a family is going to be safer because they can see. Or maybe you've sent a kid to camp. Maybe you've, you've helped in some way and helped send a kid to camp. Maybe not, a, not, a, not the whole bit, but some bit. You've helped some. And then you get to watch the satisfaction of that child coming back different from one week come back and their life totally changed and watch them grow up right in front of you and marry well 
and watch them also lead in this congregation. What a satisfying feeling that's got to be. What a reward. Maybe, maybe the reward is what Jesus would say to his disciples that, we would, that you hope, I hope, you hope you can hear before we go into heaven. Well done, good, and faithful servant. Wouldn't that be wonderful to hear? It happens when you do good. When you do good. I, I get the impression Dorcas may have heard, well done, good and faithful servant, but you're going to have to go back. <laughs> she gets to hear it. She gets to hear it twice. Wow. <laughs> Lucky lady. Let me leave this verse with you. This is just in your Bibles. It's not on the screen. It's Acts 10, verse 38. Peter is talking to some Jews over Cornelius, and he says, he says this to the Jewish Christians. Listen what it says, how it describes Jesus. You know about Jesus of Nazareth, that God gave him the Holy Spirit and power. You know how Jesus went everywhere doing good. Doing good and healing those who were ruled by the devil because God was with him. And may God be with you today. May God be with you as you go about building a reputation of doing good. Building a reputation of doing good in your life and a greater Alton church. May the words of John Wesley encourage you this morning. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. How you doing? I asked some people this morning, how you doing? Good. Are you? Are you doing good? May God help us do good starting this week. Living a life of always doing good. You have a card in your bulletin and maybe you'd like to respond to this lesson by a prayer request or a decision you'd like to make. Let me encourage you to fill out that card while we sing this, this next song. And then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards along with our contribution. May God bless you with a life of doing good.